Hey, everybody, I've got an awesome interview for you today. Mojo CEO and co founder Vinny Barrara is on the program. Mojo.com is a stock market to bet on athletes. It just launched this week. They've already raised a hundred million dollars and we're going to get into all the nitty gritty of building a stock market from scratch and how they're handling liquidity and it's a killer product demo this is going to be the future of wagering gambling and investing all of this is coming together and with your passions for sports uh here in america thanks to some supreme court legislation that passed and uh, it's a really great fascinating interview you're going to see the future today it's going to be a great episode so stick with us this Week in Startups is brought to you by Brave is an internet privacy company on a mission to protect your personal info online. Download Brave today at brave.com twist to browse faster, search privately, and so much more. All in a single click. Neotax. Don't leave money on the table. Claim your research and development tax credits with Neotax and get $500 off any service fees related to Neotax products. Learn more at neo.tax slash twist and spoken. Finally, there is a way to build culture and connection that is designed for remote spoken stories. It's fast, it's async, yet it's human. Check out getspoken.com slash twist to get three months free. That's get s p o k n without the e dot com slash twist. All right, everybody, we're really excited for our next guest today here on this week in startup. As many of you know, I'm a huge fan of Preet Bahari. Ba ba ra ra ba ba ra ra. Did I get it right, Vinit? Barara, you got it right. Barara, I got it. Vinny, Vinit, yes, uh, is Preet's brother. Now, are you the older brother or the younger brother? I hope you can tell that I'm the younger brother. I, who knows? Quickly. Who knows at this age? We're well, all old. Yeah. You do well, look, look a little younger. Yeah. So, um, Preet's company was called Cafe and had the incredible domain name cafe.com. I love just podcasts. I love iconoclastic thinkers, people who maybe have, you know, form their own opinions from first principles. People always ask me, Hey, what are your favorite pods? And on the top of that list, top five is Preet's podcast, which you produced and you started the company. Uh, there's stay tuned with Preet, which is a free version. Then there was cafe insider, the paid yep. version. Um, and your brother was, he ran the Southern district of New York's, uh, yes. for the justice department is a pretty big deal. Yep. He was the U S uh, attorney here in the Southern district of New York. Pretty big deal. Famously sort of fired by Trump. Maybe not yeah. sort of, no, not sort of Yeah, fired, fired, fired by, by Trump, Trump. and uh, by Putin. He likes to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I always loved the pod. You were the producer. I actually, you don't know this, but I was always talking to your brother. Hey, I little love the pod. Are you ever thinking about taking investment? Let me know. I'd love to put a million dollars into this thing. I think it's going to be successful. And sure enough, last year, uh, in the spring, you sold to my friend, Jim Bankoff, who coincidentally bought Weblogs yep. Inc. for me. Um, and uh, Cafe got bought. So congratulations on that. Maybe Thank before you. we get into your new company, uh, we could talk a little bit about that experience of starting a podcast sure. company and selling it. What was the origin story of uh, Stay Tuned with Preet and Cafe.com? Yeah. Well, even when Preet was still, you know, uh, the U.S. Attorney of the Southern District of New York, after I had sold um, with Mark Laurie diapers.com to Amazon, we waited there for a couple of years and, and worked um, at Amazon. And then when we left, uh, you know, I wanted to start a media company. And mm -hmm. I would always talk to Preet about, you know, 
whether he would ultimately at some point join because I knew he would be great. Like it's not surprising having grown up with him that he would be a, a tremendous media media personality. And so we would always, you know, get together and talk about what it would look like, what it could, you know, how he could join, what once he left the office. And then, like you said earlier, he got fired. So it was premature. And right away, uh, we, we started brainstorming again and we decided, you know, let's start with a podcast. Initially, we're thinking, oh, maybe we'll do video or we'll figure out, you know, what kind of media company we would do. And he started, decided he wanted to start with a podcast hmm. and we pitched it to a bunch of different folks. And we created Stay Tuned with Preet in 2017. But you decided to go independent. At that time, I guess podcasting was kind of just starting to get the networks going. Why did you choose to go independent? At, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, so I kind of yeah. understand. And he's kind of an independent thinker. But did you get offers and they just kind of sucked from the other podcast networks or they didn't bring a lot of value and you just thought, let's just go acoustic here? Yeah, no, we wanted to create our own. So we already had our own company. And like you said, we're entrepreneurs. We wanted to have all the ownership with our investors. And so we did produce it with a company called Pineapple Media. I don't know if you oh, know those. Oh, yes, They're, I have yeah, heard of them, yeah. Terrific, t- terrific producers. So they helped us do it, but they weren't owners you know, in Cafe. So that was a uh, standalone entity. In fact, just the details of it is I had had a pre-existing media company called Some Spider. Mm. At some point, once we created Cafe Studios, I spun that out as it's a separate entity. And that's mm. when Pre you know, became a, a significant owner of that company, Cafe Studios. Now, uh, cafe.com is a hell of a domain name. That's a million dollar domain yes. name. Anything in the English language, um, that's, you know, six, seven words or letters or less, and it's in the dictionary is going to go for six figures, possibly even seven. How did you get cafe.com? And how much you pay for that? Yep. So if you, uh, for the longest time, my, my co-founder at my last company, my best friend, Mark Laurie, who, uh, who I grew up with in New Jersey, all the companies we've started like to have very good, easy to remember, short domain names. That's been a founding principle in some ways for us creating a brand. And Why? So again, when I was li- Why? Why I is just, that a founding yeah, principle? Yeah, I think it's important because I think, look, it's so hard to break through. And one of the things, in my opinion, you want to do is you want to have people be able to talk about your company. Mm. And when they talk about it, the person hearing it, knows what it is and doesn't have to ask any questions like how do you spell that or what was that again and because then Mm. they tell other people and they tell other people and so you definitely want a name that's easy to remember and easy to spell in my opinion to the extent you can obviously it costs capital like you said that's just been something we've tried to do with all of our companies what did cafe.com cost what did that go for yeah so it cost uh 240 grand great deal not bad right i would have paid 500 without an idea I would Not just pay bad. 500. I have inside.com. I had 20.com. I've had a, annotated.com. I've had a lot of good domain names in my day. How much did inside cost? I got that for 60K seven, eight years ago wow. from the Guardian. That's very good. Well, that's I would have paid a million for that. That's a million well, see, dollar domain name. They, they, they didn't know that, probably, did they? Well, what happened was they had bought a company. There was a media company in New York in the 90s called Inside. That was a magazine. Yeah. Uh, and then a friend of mine, uh, Rafat Ali, uh, another Indian yep. entrepreneur. He had worked for me at Silicon Valley Reporter, worked at Inside. He wound up buying it when that company went default from a guy um, named Steve Brill, who had owned content.com, yep. if you remember that. Of course. And then Guardian bought paid content, the newsletter that Rafat had started. And then I tried for multiple years to buy from Guardian. Then at some point, they wanted to sell assets and I was able to get it from them at a great deal. At a great they didn't deal. know. They great didn't deal. know you'd pay a million. That's what yeah, you got to well, do with these domains. At domain that time, names. I would have paid two fifty. But you got diapers.com. Yeah. That's a million dollar domain. Yeah, yeah. Diapers we one. got, I think, for six hundred grand. 
God, I love it. I got, yeah, yeah I, I just love buying great domain names. Um, yeah, so we think the alike other thing on that. That's great about it is it do, you, and uh, I'm curious if you agree, it will make the stature of the company in the eyes of a consumer go way up in an age where people are, you know, a little cynical of new products and services. Maybe they're a little cautious of online brands. You come out with diapers.com, it's like, well, they, they've got to be good at selling diapers and kid stuff, or they wouldn't have the domain. You got cafe.com. It's got to be legit. It legitimizes exactly. and reduces no, I right. cynicism. I exactly right. That's, you know, to be funny about this or, or honest, we actually started out with 1-800 diapers when we first started. So we, uh-huh. <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't, in the very beginning, we didn't have diapers.com. Once we got some traction is when we went out and, and bought uh, mm. the actual diapers.com domain name. Amazing. I mean, can you imagine if they had taken a little bit of uh, equity? Oof. Yeah, no. I had so that was good. the founder of, of Calm, the meditation app on my podcast in 2014. Wow. And I said, how'd you get Calm.com? And he had gotten it for under 100K. Yeah. And I was like, wow. can I invest in your company? Because, and I, then I told them privately, I was like, the fact that you got Calm.com and you figured out how to get it, to me, makes you investable. Yeah. Like, yeah, period, no. full stop. Yeah, a lot of people don't believe in like what you, what you and I seem to agree on that these domain names are worth it because some folks will say, oh, you know, the dot com is irrelevant, the dot com's going away, people are, are it's less it's less important than it used to be. But to your point, just that not only the memorability and the word of mouth factor, but like you said, the the legitimacy when you're trying mm-hmm. to break through and create that credibility at the outset is important. So it, it depends on the owner. There's no market in some ways. Right? It just depends on it's it's like kind of a scarcity thing. It's whatever you and the seller agree on yeah it's pretty interesting i do like some subdomains i got founder.university and angel.university i teach two courses one for founders oh, okay. one for angel investors and i just love the dot university you got any other subdomains that you like of the new ones a lot of kids love the the dot co the dot io yeah you have one yeah. you like no <laughs> no still, you're dot com you're like old school I'm you're gen old school i'm, I'm 51 i'm so old school Oh, you and I are the same age. How old? Wait, oh, so your brother Preet's what? 54, 55? He's 53. He turns 53. 54 in October. Yeah, I, I just turned okay. 51 about three days ago. That's yeah. so amazing. My brother Jamie is like two years, a year and a half older than me. And we're right wow. behind him. And we're also, we grew up in Brooklyn. You guys grew up in Jersey, am I right? New Jersey. That's right. Near New Jersey Shore by Asbury Park. Exactly. And now you guys grew up, or at least your brother, with yeah. a huge love of the boss, Mr. Bruce Springsteen, correct? Yes. Death. I like the boss. Preet is obsessed. He's so obsessed. He is, he is obsessed. I don't know how many concerts he's been to. I went to a Bruce Springsteen concert with Preet in Connecticut. And during the concert, Springsteen actually called out Preet's name. I don't know. I he talked about this. Yes, I, I was heard there. the clip. That's uh, was unbelievably there. next level. There. My mom, yeah. a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, at the age of, at the age of 12, 13, 14, she would regularly take us to the Brendan Byrne Arena in New Jersey uh the meadowlands um, yeah and we saw bruce i think the first tour i saw was born in the usa which must have been 84 wow. or 83 yeah 84 yeah and that was the arena tour which eventually yeah. he then came around after doing the arena tour that album was so big he played the stadium so he played giant stadium wow. the old giant stadium and yeah i saw him there too so you're a big fan too bruce i'm a huge fan i in my older years i have become a mark knopfler dire straits fan so oh, wow. I, I was always Bob Dylan, Bruce, yeah. Dire Straits. Then oh, it wow. went like, and then I just had the collection of Dylan. I had seen Dylan so many times. I kind of needed a new obsession. Yeah. And I kind of got into Mark Knopfler 
and Dire Straits, which I talked mm. to your brother about just a week or two ago in LA. Uh. We were both in LA for a conference, okay. code conference. Yeah. And I started telling him, like, you, you know, you got to look at this period from 78 to 88 of Mark Knopfler. Because oh, wow. Knopfler was producing Dylan at the time, Infidels, et cetera. Bruce was involved with Dylan on the margins, obviously a huge influence on him. Um, and Knopfler got introduced to Dylan, to Springsteen. And he heard like across the river and some of these songs. And then you, if you listen to Telegraph Road, um, your latest trick, you, you start to hear Bruce's influence as wow. a contemporary of Mark Knopfler's. He started writing long 10 minute songs, which they both obviously got from Dylan. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm down the rabbit hole. You know who I uh, saw in concert a couple of weeks ago? Duran Duran. Fantastic. I mean, underrated. Duran Duran. Underrated. Yeah. They were at the garden. Um, you know who I really want to see now is Billy Joel at the garden you know i haven't gone yeah. to the residency but he was my favorite in the early 80s i started seeing all the billy joel concerts at billy joel, billy joel that led me to bruce dylan yeah. and dire straits you know so no, you start it makes sense there's an entry point for everybody it could be neil young yeah. could be jackson right. brown yeah um, yep. jackson brown yeah i love jackson brown too User privacy is my jam. It is also one of the biggest topics in tech right now. And if you care about your privacy at all, and by privacy, I mean not getting tracked all over the internet by targeted ads, you need to check out Brave. Brave shields you from ads, trackers, other creepy stuff, everything that follows you across the web and shares your information with all kinds of people that you don't need it shared with puts a stop to that. They have three core products, the core browser, a search engine, and a browser native crypto wallet. Brave's browser has over 60 million users and thousands of daily downloads. And it's all built on Chromium, which is the open source Chrome project. So it's still super fast. And all of your favorite Chrome extensions work in Brave. When I say it's super fast, by the way, I mean three times faster than Chrome because Brave doesn't slow you down loading all those ads. You can also import bookmarks and passwords and settings from Chrome with one click. This is actually the biggest reason that people don't switch browsers and all of that, the one click situation, is exactly why the entire Twist team, including myself, is now obsessed with Brave. If you've been putting off making the switch, it's so easy now. You can just bring your password manager just like that. Brave Search is a truly private and independent search engine. So download Brave today at brave.com slash twist to browse faster, search privately, and so much more all in a single click. Now, your brother, uh, mm -hmm. and then we'll get off your brother for a minute. Yeah. But I, I do love the fact that you have this uh, collaboration uh, with your brother. Easy to manage? Because you had to very run the business. We yeah, hard got working? Very hard working. He, um, we, got into, we didn't get into one fight. You not know, one? Uh, I think not one fight. I'm trying to think how long we worked together. I think it was four years because we uh, sold it last year and not one fight, not hmm. one argument. I mean, we didn't always agree on everything, but there was never a time when there was some sort of, you know, hang up the phone or no blows off the zoom, no blowout. And, and I yeah, I remember he feel said like that. there yeah. should have been an argument about emergency pods. And I've talked to your ah, brother about yeah. this. I feel your brother could work a little harder. Yeah. I feel Preet ah. needs to do an emergency pod when things break. Yeah. Well, I managed him with kid gloves. I mean, you know, you can't, he was the talent and there He's was talented. no way. Yeah, it was, uh, you can't ever mess around with the talent. The talent is king. And so I knew better than to kind of ask him to do something he didn't want to do. I mean, you know, there was plenty of times when mm. maybe some of the other team wanted, like you said, to do an emergency pod or something else. What was his objection to the emergency pod? No, he would do, I, you know, he's he a wants guy. to be prepared. Is that it? Let me tell you where we would really, where if we would have come to blow, it would have been on video. 
He never mm. really wanted to do these pods like you do with video. And yes. every once in a while we would do it. But that was the thing I could never really get him to do on a regular basis. He's and handsome. He, he looks great in a suit. He's in great shape. Yeah, He's fit. I know he is. He is. He is. But he, he just, you know, I know I mean, he didn't want to do it. He looks great. He didn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. He didn't. He didn't want to do that. And so that was maybe the only thing. I know why. Yeah. I have a theory. You tell, tell me. me if I'm right. Yeah. He wants, he is a very crisp communicator. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not like Howard Stern, Joe Rogan. He's thoughtful. Yeah. I can tell he's got papers in front of him. He's well prepared. Yeah. He might right. have the glasses on. He <laughs> might ask for two takes. He doesn't want to be on camera trying to be like, yeah. you know, um, real time or, or you know yeah. politically incorrect or whatever he doesn't want to be a performer like that no no and he could wake up you know 10 minutes of course during the covid time with 10, 10 minutes before go to his basement and get right to it yes you don't need to take a shower that is the other thing being camera <laughs> i mean maybe well, he listen. was taking it but anyway yeah uh, great success on that yes uh do, do yeah. now do they own the cafe.com domain name they own it oh, they god own damn it, it. i would have carved that out i i hope i transferred it from GoDaddy. But I, they should. Man, you, I hope you I got mean. a lock on that one because that's a, you don't want to lose <laughs> yeah. a four letter domain in today's yeah. uh, yep. era. Which we have one again here. You do. And let's get to yeah. that. So, yeah. uh, mojo.com, mm -hmm. M O J O.com is your new company. That's the website. It's an app, but we have again the dot com because we think yes. it's important. So, tell me, what is the new company? Why did you start? Yeah. Well, it's a, a sports stock market. And mm -hmm. very simply, when I say sports stock market, what I mean is the everyday fan can use his or her sports knowledge to invest in the careers of athletes like stocks. Mm. So we'll say sometimes it's where Robin Hood or Coinbase meets DraftKings. And instead of, you know, looking it up and investing in an Amazon or a Google, if you're a sports fan, you know, you can invest in LeBron James or Joe Burrow mm. or Patrick Mahomes. And we can get into exactly how it works, but it's, and, and we'll show you some of the sort of the, the, the product and how beautiful I think that the product is that the team created, but in, in its simplistic form, it's a sports stock market. So I buy a share mm -hmm. in, let's say I'm a big Knicks fan. I got RJ Barrett coming into his fourth season. Every year he gets 20% better. People don't look at him as an all-star. He's a little quiet. He's just kind of does the work, but he's got work he's got to do on his you know, uh, you know, finishing around the rims, you know, he's, he's in development, but I think he's got really good upside. So I can buy a share in RJ mm -hmm. Barrett. That's right. With actual real money. That's right. Exactly. How many real shares money. when you do an IPO of RJ yep. Barrett are there? So this is an interesting thing. There is no, the way we structured this market, there is no scarcity. There's no limit on the number of shares. The fundamental premise here is that when we, when we constructed this market, if you own a share in, in RJ Barrett, what we guarantee you is we guarantee you a payout based on the end of his career, six objective, well, we haven't started basketball yet, but it'll be a certain defined number of statistics. Got and it. in that regard, it's not based on supply and demand in the traditional sense, scarcity. It's based on the statistic that you were trying to project. Ah. Yes. So uh, you're doing this first with football players, correct? That's right. The NFL. What? So I'm buying a share of a football player, yep. knowing that their career has an arc. Yep. And at the end of the career, when the person hangs yep. it up, yep. then you get your money back. Well, two things. The first thing we wanted to do, so again, we say sports stock market. The first thing yeah. we wanted to do was, this, was define the stock like I just did. It's like, if you own stock, you are guaranteed to pay out at the end of their career based on these statistics, 
which to us was really important because it gives mm. the stock intrinsic value. There's lots of things out there. In fact, we did a business 20 years ago that was a sports card stock market. And mm. one of the flaws was that the customer really didn't know, you know what the intrinsic value of this asset is that they're mm. trading. Now, that's the first thing. But the second thing is the market piece, like the liquidity. And so even though the value is anchored in the career, people don't want to hold stock. You know, most people don't till the, for such a long duration, they want to be able to trade in and out at all times. And so we also, Mojo has a price that you will always be able to get in and out of, which provides that liquidity. So, and that price is basically sort of what the market thinks where the career will end. So if that, if that makes sense. Got it. So how do you make money then? You take a little piece of every trade that occurs exactly. in the market? Yes. Yes. So the, the primary source of revenue for us is, is as the platform taking a small transaction fee on every, on every trade. Now, this is something where it is uh, wagering. So where is this legal? And what does yeah. this fall under? Is this a game of skill? Is it gambling and betting? Where does this fall? And I guess this is quite ironic. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. What your brother has done as a career. But I don't know if he's your counsel, but yeah. Um, no, where does this question. fall on the regulatory spectrum? Because we did have a couple of years ago, the Supreme Court uh, made a judgment. Hey, listen, it's up to the states to, uh, like many other issues these days, yep. to make their own decision. A bunch of states have said, oh, wow, we can have sports betting. We have a sports book. We can have wagering, have poker, whatever it is. So the regulatory framework has been cleared up, I think, by that. Yep. Yeah. You, yeah. You so that's, that's, a, that's a huge thing. So remember, I talked about the intrinsic value. I talked about the liquidity. The third pillar is making sure that it's legal. And to your point, um, very, very important for me, you know, being Preet Bharara's brother. And so when we did Not this like company, you're a target. <laughs> yeah, no, when we did this thing 20 years ago um, with the sports card stock market, we had the same idea. And like you said, online wagering was not legal anywhere. And so our lawyers said, look, if you do this and it's super successful the way you want to do it, you could be in trouble. And so we, so we created the sports card stock market. We used the trading card as a proxy for the athlete. And then he fast forward 20 years later to about two years ago. And my co-founder and, and best friend, Mark Laurie, you know, who we, I started the pit with and I started diapers.com. I grew up with him in New Jersey as well. He comes to me and he says, this idea that we had 20 years ago, I think it's the biggest idea we've ever had. I think we can do it right now. We don't have to do it with trading cards because the regulatory framework has changed and we can do it um, under the online wagering laws state by state. Mm. So that's kind of what happened. Now, it's kind of interesting because what the, you know, the, the mechanism here, the, the shares and how it works on our platform, you could argue that maybe we should go to the CFTC to get this regulated, like as a futures contract. Mm. And that would have been preferable in some ways because it would have been a federal, kind of like Kalshi, if you know these guys. Um, we could have gone that route. But the CFTC says they will not oversee or regulate sports. So they punt that now mm. to the states. And like you said, a couple of years ago, the Supreme Court basically said the states could decide if they wanted to make online wagering legal. So that's the path we decided to take. It does mean we got to go state by state, which is hard. And so- we that's decided a bit of a mode, is it not? Like if the fact that so. it, yeah, it takes, yeah. it's going to take you two or three years probably to get to all 50 states or whatever. I, how many are yeah. legal? I think it's 35 or 40. Yeah, I think it's around 30. Yep. And they're coming fast and furious every, you know, every six months you got another state coming on. So I agree with you, but it means that you had to raise, you know, a lot of capital, which we did. It takes a long time. 
and mm. we got to go state by state. And so we decided to petition the New Jersey Division of Gaming first. Mm. They're, the, they're the most innovative in our view. This product is not so, it's not so obvious what it is necessarily when you come in and it doesn't, it's not, it's not similar sounding, right, to a conventional bet. Mm. This is a long duration and we're talking about making a market in this thing. So we convinced the New Jersey Division of Gaming to regulate it under the sports wagering laws. And that's what we debuted today in the app store while it's available to download in all 50 states. But today is the first day at scale, anybody 21 and over in New Jersey can open an account, deposit, and trade. Amazing. Uh, so you're just getting started. Yeah, based on my experience, guys in uh, Brooklyn and Jersey, they might like to, you know, make a bet once in a while. I mean, yeah. just, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, they can come on over. They can, they can come on exactly. over. They can okay. come on over to Jersey. It's very quick and easy. Right now, it's so important for founders to save where they can. And one source of capital that's rarely used is R&D tax credits. Yes, according to Neotax, 97% of US R&D tax credits go unclaimed every year. So Neotax is going to help you get up to $250,000 if your business qualifies. And there is literally no downside to using Neotax. The application takes less than 30 minutes. And you'll know in the first couple of seconds if you qualify. Plus, you only pay if Neotax finds you the money you're owed. And their app integrates seamlessly into most accounting and payroll software. These tax credits do not roll over from year to year. And October 17th is the last day to claim your R&D tax credit. So don't wait. See why Neotax is trusted by hundreds of startups. They turn R&D credits into cash flow. In fact, WorkOS, another twist partner that we love, got over $48,000 back last year. It's free to qualify and zero commitment to get started. Head to neo.tax slash twist and save $500 on your R&D tax credit claim. neo.tax slash twist to save $500 on your R&D tax credit claim. Neotax puts tax dollars back where they belong in your business. So you raised a war chest, 100 milli, uh, 75 million from Thrive Capital. Thrive was uh, the lead... Yeah, there was Series A Tiger, a bunch of other really great investors also. Amazing. When you raised that last, you raised that in March, right after the market collapsed? We uh, did. So you, we, we, you must we have been in discussions it. for a couple of months before that. Yeah. I mean, it was, listen, we, we basically went out to the market in the winter of last year, and it was a very fast exercise prior, prior to the market collapsing in some ways. We closed it all up, or at least that first tranche of $75 million in March. Thank God. And then more recently, we, we took in another $25 million of capital. A little um, top just, off, like you, same terms as the last round, I same, assume, you go yeah, flat? Yeah, exactly. Market, like you said, you know, had some issues over the summer earlier, and we decided yeah, to smarter, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, raise some more capital. So we feel really good about that. You flat need is it the new up, as we say in the business. A flat round <laughs> right. is the new up. Yeah. I got a lot right. of companies, they're like wishing they could do raise capital at what they raised it last year. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, listen. I happen to know a lot of the, uh, I'm collecting, a, I, I can connect a lot of dots here because you know, I do yeah. this for a living. Now I'm looking at Thrive Capital. Uh-huh. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this run by one of the Kushners? Thrive Capital? Josh. Josh right. and, and a few other folks. He's, I like, jo- I love Josh. Josh is great. You love Josh. Now you love Josh. Uh-huh. And Josh's brother is Jared Kushner. And your brother's I didn't preed. realize that. Yeah. Your brother's preed. <laughs> Yeah. Josh is not Jared. You're not Preet. But Preet exactly. and Jared got beef. Oh, Preet's I don't know about been that. somewhat have... critical 
no of Jared Kushner and <laughs> Mr. Trump. No Does comment. that ever come up in business? No, it never comes up. It really doesn't. It really? has never come up once. No, not once. It's just a business transaction because Josh just got Bob Iger to work for him. Yeah. Josh or, or is great. Josh is really, a, I mean, so Thrive is one of the premier. Here? Well, there's there's really no story, but I, other than Thrive is one of the best VC, and you know this, right? One of the best They've VC. They've done a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Josh is great, and he's got a lot of other great partners. Um, Bob, like you said, Bob Iger just joined. So it's really a preeminent a venture capital firm in the country. And, and so, you know, we're, we're thrilled to have them as our lead. They're good at the, they're good at the series B and C, it seems the thrive team, but they are diametrically opposed, I think, to the brothers. So these are two brothers who have completely different political leanings. It seems. Oh, I don't, again, I don't, we don't, it never comes up. It <laughs> never, never comes never, up at a board is, meeting. It has no, never come up, never come is up. Is Josh on your board? No, they're not on the board. Um, they put 75 million and they didn't take a board seat. They're not wow. on the board. They're not on the board, but, but we're, huh. you know, we're close with those guys. We chat with them all the time. And again, there's another guy, Vince, that we, that we love. So Josh, Vince, yeah, we chat all the time, but they're not on the board. Wow. Um, well, I, you know, not awkward for you, but I think at the Kushner household, it could be an awkward Thanksgiving. Who knows? Um, so let's do a product demo here. I'm fascinated by this. And, uh, before we get to right to the product demo, I just want to ask you, there, people have tried similar things to this. You must have studied them. The one I remember from when I was a journalist in the 90s was there was a crazy guy, like a really mercurial guy who's now a Bitcoin maximalist. I forgot his name. I think his name is actually Max. I can't remember. But mm -hmm. he did a company called Hollywood Stock Exchange. I'm sure you're aware yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you looked at Hollywood Stock Exchange, they were trying to let people buy and trade, you know, Hollywood careers. You could buy Tom Cruise, you could go short somebody else. But that was done with funny money at the exactly. time. So what... I don't, and that's still operating. I think what, what it, when you looked and you investigated this stuff, and there was also in trade, which was a futures yep. predictions market. I, mm -hmm. I was obsessed with that one. You could you could yep. do any kind of a bet there, like bet on you know who was going to win the Bachelor or something like that. I think these things are very popular in Europe, right? Yeah. So maybe you could set the table of what has failed or had modest success before, yep. and what you learned from studying those. Yeah, sure. And like I said, you know, we did one of these. We did a sports card market right. in 2000 and we sold that to Tops. And so that was one of the anchors because we understood how this could work. We had to use this trading card as the proxy. The problem with that, as I mentioned, was that the intrinsic value was, was questionable. Like it's unclear what you own. And so the promise we always want to make to the user is if you know sports and you are right and you predict correctly, you will make money. Mm. When the value of the asset is a little unclear, like what it is, you could know and predict that, you know, Joe Burrow was going to be great last year and buy his card. But the market, because of how that operates and scarcity and other issues, you know, the price could go down and vice versa. So one co uh, corollary is the sort of collectible NFT space. That's mm -hmm. one. The second one, like you said, is the fantasy space. Mm -hmm. And there's been these versions, the Hollywood Stock Exchange, there's been a few others. And that's great too, but it's like, it's funny money. Like you said, you can't, it's not, it's either a competition, it's not real money, maybe there's prizes. Why is uh, that important that it's not real money? Because that seems to be without the skin in the game, people make suboptimal decisions. Like when people are- Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I think it's fun and it's a game and that's great. But when we wanted to create an authentic stock market where you could deposit like right now you can deposit $25,000. Ultimately, you should be able to deposit, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and take a real position in a player put in, you know, if you have the capital 
50 grand on a player, $100,000 on a player, and just that player. Like you're not competing against somebody else. We wanted to make it as close to the, to the actual stock market as possible. And so these other versions, either again, it's a collectible or an NFT. We know about the issues there, or it's fantasy. It's not real money. It's a contest. And I think that's great, but it's definitely not the same as, you know, a real stock market where you could put in a few thousand dollars on a player mm. and have it operate just like it would be an investment you're making in Google. And you think again, GMs have, are yeah. going to look at this? Because like, if you're a GM, you know yeah. there's smart people out there. Yeah. A lot of smart people. People start making bets on things because this gets yeah. to Moneyball, which I'm sure you're a huge fan of the, the book, yep, the movie, exactly. the, the concept. Um, I think, you know, when you look at wisdom of crowds, they're... they're you know, wisdom of crowds, you know, I, I have my doubts, usually it's, yeah. you know, a little bit of chaos. But once you put money on the line, now you've taken exactly. the wisdom of crowds down to just skin in the game. We, now we're exactly. going from Michael Lewis to uh, Nassim Taleb, you know, well, we got skin in the game. That's a different subset. That's 1% of the wisdom of crowd. Now you got the wisdom of people making bets. Uh, I'm I, I, I 100% agree. I think once, you know, at scale, when we have hundreds and millions of dollars, you know, being traded and wagered. And you'll be able to see the arc of it, you know, when they're coming in, when they're coming out, what's the most actively traded, what the positions are, I would think that that would be useful information to a GM or anyone else, you know, mm. uh, that's trying to study, um, you know, who to give a contract to or who not to. I'm not saying it's the only data point, but it should be a pretty valuable data point if you've got a lot of 100%. capital going into a player or coming out of a player. So I think that'll be really interesting. Can I, can I short a player? Can I short a player today? You can short a player. That was important too, just again for the integrity of this market, mm. is there's a you know, there's an ability to go long and short. And I think that again gives credibility to the price so that, you know, if you don't like it, you can take the other side. And you, we you would want to take the other side. Let's uh, you know, basketball is my sport, so I'll just bounce over yeah. to basketball for a second. You know, you start looking at some of these players who are tall but injury prone. Yep. Everybody gets amped up on Porzingis. Everybody gets amped up on, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, et cetera. And then they play 40 games a year at max. Yeah. So how does that, because you said the payout will come from yep. their career. How yep. does ability to stay on the court impact career? Because you could have the averages. Their averages could yep. be off the charts. They're a unicorn. Yep. But if they're not on the court. And they exactly. So remember, the price on our market is always the latest projection expectation for where the career is going to end okay. so you look at it and and if you think a player is you know injury prone like you said um or whatever other reason you just don't think he's going to have the amount of games like that's one of one of the metrics right of games of, played of where yeah. yeah of course games yeah. played is going to be a big thing about where that ending price will be then the price uh, then you should short that right because yeah. like that you should you should basically take the under and so the, the career is the great neutralizer, yeah. um, really, or equalizer, I should say, about performance because Love it. it's very hard to find someone that has you know, long duration and isn't so a great So you're player. doing cumulative, yes. not just averages. Because you get sometimes yes. people play 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You look at their like rebounds per game, blocks per game, and you're like, oh my God, they lead the league. And it's like, yeah, but they're not on the court. So what's the point? Exactly. I mean, like, let me, let me give you an example. Like in football, Right. Like I'm an Eagles fan hmm. and Jalen Hurts has been this question. He's a great fantasy player. Like he's usually well, you're from Jersey and you're an Eagles uh, fan. That's a long story. But yes, I am. Oh, an my Eagles God. Fan. I thought you're supposed yeah. to be a Jets fan, which is an Eagles Frank fan. And Vodka in December. No, in the stands. no, I'm a Yankees fan and Eagles fan. Long story. What are you? Knicks or Knicks? doesn't care. 
I like, but now I like the Timberwolves, right? Well, what Mark were you Lurie, originally? You grew, up, you grew up Knicks? No, or Knicks. You? Knicks, yeah. Of Not course. Nuts. Yeah, I'm Knicks, yeah. Giants, Yankees. Oh, there you go. Okay, wait, listen, you get like, you're 2-0 and now. 2-0, and range. And how about baseball? You like baseball? You know, I used to watch a lot of Yankees games, go to a lot of Yankees games in the 90s. I was very blessed to see like some of those yeah. incredible games because I knew some people went ownership, yada, yada. Saw all the Michael Jordan games. My dad had season tickets oh, wow. to the Giants forever. But then, you know, life. I wanted to have a career. I got a family. I just said, you know what? That's it. I'm just going to focus on my Knicks and then my local team Warriors. And I just gave up the other sports because it's just too much. To, it's too much. Yeah. Well, so you're a Warriors fan too, huh? Well, here's the thing. I live here. Yeah. Some friends of mine own parts of the teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I go to a lot of games. And then I became friends, friends with Draymond. Yeah. Oh, wow. David Lee, Bogut. And, you know, I became good friends with those guys and play poker with them, hang out with them. And so it's just, it's hard to not be a fan of the yeah. Warriors. They're just, they play such an elegant form of basketball. And it's like, I feel like my life is blessed. I got to see Jordan versus Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, yeah. and all of those players in my 20s and 30s living in New York. And then yeah. I got to watch Steph, Draymond Amazing. Clay during this era and everybody yeah. they played. And I got to do it, you know, in some of the best seats in the house. And what and a you lucky. didn't miss anything. And you didn't miss anything with the Knicks. So well, it yeah, even thanks for bringing that up. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe awesome. your guy, Laurie, can uh, put it together part of the syndicate. We can buy the Knicks. Get them out. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's a that, bit of a problem something. for us. Um, yeah. All right. Listen, I think I get it. So yeah. now these GMs are going to start looking at this data. You're going to have some interesting data there. People are going to – now, hold on a second. Now I've got to think about yeah. the gambling lines, the betting lines here, how this affects that. And then, True. I wonder if, because it's going to affect betting lines and this data, and then I wonder if the GMs, if they had access to this information and they were making bets on this, what if a GM went in here and started placing bets on careers? That, they're going to be banned from doing that. No, I, I don't know if they can do that, to be honest. If uh, well, I, players, I, I think because betting they have on their own career. Yeah. Talk about a hedge. That. You can that's short all yourself. Restricted. Yeah, that's all restricted, as you can imagine. Oof. There's some, there's some, uh, what do you call it coming up? There's a documentary about Tim Donahue. I don't know if that's out yet oh, or really? not. Oh, really? Yeah, remember that guy who was? Yeah. He wouldn't, allegedly, he didn't um, bet on, he didn't affect the game in terms of like giving fouls to yeah. different teams. He just gave the mob who was going to ref the games ahead of time because they didn't release Crazy. that data. So Crazy. then they could place game set so you have to think through every permutation yeah, of this holy we do, cow we do that was that's similar to to uh, you know remember we're regulated as a sports book sports mm. books got to do that too yeah. and so we have to have the same pr processes and procedures in place and so compliance for us is super important and we got to just do it like everybody else best in class well if anybody named annie dange so sets up an account on the system you got to flag that because <laughs> okay. danny Ainge is the best he's the best most sharky GM in the business. Oh Whatever bets he's placing <laughs> on Mojo. Yeah, we'll mark it down. We'll, we'll have to be on the lookout for that. Yeah, You've flag got the email, his account, let me know. his IP address, because that guy is fleecing everybody this year. All right, let's do a demo. Yes. Do your remote employees feel disconnected? I bet they do. Well, Spoken is the workplace podcasting platform loved by startups like Robinhood, Udemy, and 15.5. And Spoken just launched a new way for companies to build connection and community remotely. It's called Spoken Stories. You might know stories from Instagram where only you can add to them, but Spoken Stories are different. Spoken Stories can belong to a company or a team. 
In fact, your entire team or smaller team units can add to that specific story. And you can create stories about anything. Maybe you want to celebrate wins. Maybe you want to do some shout outs, give people credit. Maybe talk about your travel or birthdays, anything, product updates. And you don't have to wait for an offsite or hold awkward Zoom happy hours to connect with your team. Nope. Spoken Stories is designed for remote teams. It's asynchronous and it's fast, yet still human. Leaders, this is a really easy way to get to know your employees and recognize them. They want you to try it so you can get three months free at getspoken.com slash twist. Remember, that's spoken with no E. Get S-P-O-K-N dot com slash twist. Get S-P-O-K-N dot com slash twist. Getspoken.com slash twist for three months free. Take out the E for excellent. I'm super fascinated by what you're doing. Let's see the product here. What are we looking at? What am I what am I okay. seeing here? Yeah, so right here, right? You, you, it's, it, hopefully this looks a little bit more like Robin and you see the athletes, right? This is, I'm just, this is this, the, Beautiful the page the where, yeah. yeah, so you search and like, as you can imagine, right, this is priced high to low right now. We started with the NFL and, and mm. predictably, who's number one? It's Tom Brady, yeah. right? Tom Brady, because this is about the career. Right. And um, we can go into Tom Brady here for a second and you can take a look at it. I'm going to yeah. look at his, his, uh, this is like a graph showing his, now we back tested some of this, obviously we weren't live. So this is a simulation of what his price would have looked like on, uh -huh. on Mojo, mm -hmm. but this is the kind of thing, right? He would have debuted at around 327 as you see it. And now he's almost at 180. There's your 60 X. Does everybody and debut at the same number? No. Like, okay. So everybody debuts always at what the expectation for how his career is going to end. So our view would have been, you know, what was he a? trying to think if he was a sixth round pick i think or was he a third round pick sixth round pick mm. and you know at the time right nobody people thought his career what i mean this guy is even going to make it in the league so he's those are, low, those right? are your value socks right there those yeah legs. exactly so this is this is the kind of guy you get your fourth fifth sixth round guys they're going to be super low you hit that mm. right and obviously this is an iconic um you know iconic player but you get this kind of you can see where you can get the 60x and you can also sort of see you know sort of the ups and downs of, of this is over the last year of, of, of kind of, again, the price is changing based on what we think the end of his career is going to be. You got someone like Patrick Mahomes. Similarly, he right now, his price is 117.89. And again, that is a projection of where he's going to end his career. If you look at his mm. last month, he's up 24%. You know, the prices are telling you what the expectation for the career is going to be. And you can see it moving as they play. You know, let's actually look at the top movers just because, you know, yesterday was kind of interesting. Huh. And if you look at it, right, unfortunately, Trey Lance went down yesterday, mm. you know, for the year and he's down, looks like almost 15%. And that's just because, of course, and you can see it actually during the game, probably if we go to the 24 hours, you see how he dropped, you know, right there during the game, that steep decline. Yep. So we actually, you can, you can, you can be uh, trading during the game here. And it's, it's kind of like live odds on the career. You know, um, you look at uh, the wide receivers here. So if you're a Jets fan, uh, you know, you can see. Oof, um, Jet fans. Well, Worst. you can see the incredible, the incredible move there by the Jets receiver there, right? Yeah. Uh, God, the Jets are terrible. Gar Gar I mean, Garrett are they Wilson, the worst right? fan Garrett base Wilson. in football? Or the What's that? They're the worst fan base in football, right? <laughs> the Jets? <laughs> Oh, the Jet fans are horrible. Oh, my co-founder, Bart Stein, is a Jets fan. So oh, so I that's the guy in the yeah. room right now? He's with yeah, you? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just tell yeah, him to yeah. put his shirt back on and do not write. Uh, Nobody <laughs> needs to see a 40-year-old man write the word Jets across their chest uh, at the Christmas game. And they all bring yeah. vodka in their, like, water bottles. The worst fans in the world. I, well, people, people would always have a giant Jet games in preseason. 
Yeah. And if the Giants were the home team, we just sell the tickets because all the Jet fan come, the Jet fans come to the arena and they're just horrible. Well, you know, most people would say that I've, you know, the Eagles are the worst fan. Even though I'm an Eagles fan, I love mm -hmm. the Eagles. But if you recall when they won the Super Bowl, I was in Philly at the time. Yeah. There were some folks that were eating poop. Um, I don't know that's, you, that's I don't true. Know yeah, that guy. Did, yeah, you, you could cut they, that out. Of the they're deranged. No, I think you leave it in. They're deranged. Um, they're deranged. I just think, on average, if you had to sit next to a fan, yeah, that's a tough one. Like, if, if you would you, which fan would be worse to sit next to in a playoff game? Yeah, you're probably right. Eagles fans would probably be a little more insufferable than. So here the is the fan. two co-founders, right? We we <laughs> basically root for the two worst teams. It's pretty terrible. Um, but here's Garrett Wilson, right? So Garrett Wilson, right? We're launching in Jersey Jets. Huge, you know, uh, pick for the for, for the Jets last year in the first round pick, 10th pick. And you can see yesterday he had a breakout game and he's up almost 11%. So this is wow. the kind of thing. It, even though it is a an investment, a prediction about the career, you can see the volatility that happens week to week. Mm. I'm actually going to go back. The other thing Love is it. some people will say, oh, there's not going to be a lot of volatility in your veterans. Let me go to Aaron Rodgers for a second. Let's say I hit trade, and remember here, you can go long or you can go short, like I said. If you go mm -hmm. long, we have this thing here called multiply your returns, mm -hmm. and this multiplier allows you, we try to add volatility for a user. Huh. They want some more action on the veterans, and you can get a 15x. Mm -hmm. Even if, So let's say, for example, his normal movement's going to be you know, 1%, 2%. Now you do the 15x, and you're, and you're sitting there, and you can, you can kind of get this uh, 25 30% action. So our objective That's is to like ultimately- That's kind of like leverage? Is that what that is? A little bit, you know, it's yeah. kind of like our version of an option. It's not exactly oh. that, but it's our version to kind of allow you to multiply and get, you know, it's, it's just, it's also, you, you know, you go on the downside too. So if Rogers is down 2% and you took the 15 X multiplier, you'd be down 30%. Mm. But we wanted to make sure that ultimately the vision is every sport, every player in the country should be on this market. There should be a price and there should be an underlying price and there should be this kind of multiplier on that player so if you want more action almost like an option on every and you want a so little some juice because i'm betting on the juice. let me see if i can spend this. i'm betting on the career yep. if most games the players are just going to have you know a slight uptick slight down tick that doesn't make it exciting to bet week to week but if i say hey give me 15x whatever the action exactly. the, the movement is if on average people are moving two percent well, that's not fun. I bought it at $100. Am I going to sell it on Monday after the game for 102 or take a $2 loss? But if I put 15x on it, okay, now it could be 130 or it could be 100, it could be 85 or something. Or yeah, exactly. 70. And that's, I mean, so you do have, so this is like I'm showing you right now, the wide receivers yesterday. Mm -hmm. This is independent of the, uh, of the multiplier, but you saw Tyree Killies up 9%. Right. And so this Ooh, is if you had the multiplier on that. Oof. Exactly. If you had exactly. a 10x now, so on you're that, getting now it, you're, you're getting doubling. it super fast. Exactly. Yeah, so we it. wanted to make sure that there's an underlying price that ultimately can be used in media and in conversations, which reflects the relative value of all the players. Ooh, yeah. So informationally, right? There should be there should also be like, you know, there should be like a CNBC here, right? There should be a whole financial media cottage. Hey, wait, industry you're a media guy. This. Are you gonna exactly. launch like a, are you gonna launch some some podcasts or shows around this? A YouTube so we are, show? We have we have a daily show and we're doing some stuff. I mean, I think ultimately we want the other folks to be covering us and we ah. run the market. And But in the beginning, we're seeding it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just to show how it's done. So we can show you some clips of our show that debuted today. I think it's pretty interesting, but it's just like CNBC. But now Perfect. it's much more interesting, right? Because it's totally. players that you see as opposed to stocks and companies. Well, here's another idea for you. you. You got somebody who's a great handicapper, right? Now they can make a mutual fund. So you could start mutual funds on here, a collection of 
10 players, 20 players, whatever it is. And I could say, hey, listen, I'm going to bet Jake Howell's 10 best players. And uh, I get like mega action on it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so you can see, and we, cool. you know, we organize this throughout the app on movers daily, daily, um, mm. folks that are up daily, the folks that are down daily by wide receiver, quarterback. So it's very easy to, you know, use, super simple. We don't make it overcomplicated. You got the graphs, got the one week, the, you know, you the know career cool of the here, year. Just go into the NBA trade. players. This way yeah. you know you got a good idea. So you got a lot of ideas. So yeah. you get a lot of user-generated content here. Let's say we got a bunch of Knicks fans. We're all debating right now because we got a lot of young guns. We've been incredible at drafting. Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin. Yep, yep. You know, Mitch. We, we really quit Grimes. That's why Danny Ainge wanted all our picks for Spider. So we got all these incredible young guns. You know, we could run some sort of, again, back to user-generated. We could mm -hmm. say, hey, pick your best five players who are not these vets on the team, you know, take Derek Rose out, you take, you know, um, Randall out, uh, Julius Randall out, and you say, hey, just pick amongst the 23 and under crowd, 24 and under crowd, who you want to bet, and then you could put a duration on it and say, hey, we're going to make a five-year bet. So yep. that's the other thing, you could add collections of players and then do a five-year bet. So we could do the draft class exactly. of last year and say, let's make a long bet. Let's put a three-year, yep. you can't sell for three years. Oh my Lord. Oh, that's So many fun yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we plan on introducing college as well, college mm. players, but it's based on their professional career. So you yeah. could have guys on there and you get the, you know, freshman mm. and it's not based again on his college statistics. It's based on how, if, and when he makes the NFL. Mm. And so those are, again, those are the penny stocks you get in super early. You could, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you have stock price based on career. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could insert other, um, you know, vectors here as in the season. So yeah, I, could, I could bet on, you know, uh, RJ Barrett's season. I could also bet yes. on his career. So you could have like yes. two outcomes in here and you got yeah. two different prices. You could, you could, yeah. we wanted to make it, and that comes up mm -hmm. a lot. We wanted to kind of set the foundation for it being, you know, like in, in the stock market, like the indefinite future is how you should be thinking about these companies. The career we think is the way to do it. But how not many only people can we have do to own it to make it have liquidity, you know, a player have liquidity. How, how many? Yeah, I know you're we, the backstop of liquidity with the with the yeah. big war So in the raised. beginning, yeah, think about it. In the beginning, right on day like uh, on day one here, it's us providing the liquidity. And so mm. at some point in time, we can just, you know, behind the scenes, the transactions will always occur with us and we take on less risk. But there's no sort of magic number in terms of how many people have to own it. That was one of the key things in terms of the value prop to the user. It doesn't mm. matter how many people are on here. There's always going to be this price for you to get in and out. Mm. That's key, right? It's not like a ghost town. Some of these other exchanges that you have, it's sort of, you get in and you can't get out and you're waiting for somebody else and it takes two mm. days and then you don't like so the So you price provide the liquidity. People want to sell and it's up, you provide it, you take a loss, whatever. Exactly. Uh, in the beginning. Exactly. Just to get things going. Yeah, yes, it's pretty, it. pretty great. How do you create a stock market from scratch? Like, how, what did you have to study to understand this? Yeah, because well, it's very rare yep. that somebody launches a new stock market. I guess long-term stock exchange, Eric Reese in our industry has created a long-term yeah. stock exchange. I don't know if you studied that, but wh what did you have to study to yeah. architect this? And what are the dynamics of starting a market? Yeah. Well, obviously, even before you get to the creating of the market, we had to do this in a regulated way. So that was a whole big exercise with our... Mm engineering team and our product team and there's all these protections you know that you'll see with your account we have reserves and there's responsible gaming practices you know you mm. can't log in you can't trade if you're out 
outside of Jersey. So there's a whole engineering challenge. But then when it comes to, you know, basically like setting the market, if that's what your question is, yeah. in the very beginning, you know, we're launched, we've launched here with about 280 players. And because it's a chicken and egg where, you know, you don't have the user base yet and these prices are being guaranteed by us, we're taking all of the risks. So we have mm-hmm. all these market makers and data analysts and quantitative folks making sure ah. that we're pricing it as accurately as possible to project, you know, what the public demand would look like. So that's us doing it. And there's a lot of modeling that goes on here in the beginning, because again, you know, we don't have millions and millions of users so that, you know, you have that perfect price in advance. We have to do that. Okay. Markets that, get manipulated. That's a big challenge. Markets get, manipul- markets get manipulated. Yeah. So Game stop. for us, you know, yeah, uh, well, for us, there's, there's two things, but, to, but there's two huge things here, right? Because you got the intrinsic value, like it's based at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like Jimmy Garoppolo, you see him here at 3329. First of all, there's a, you can go long or you can go short. And then secondly, there's that check because at the end of the day, you're guaranteed the payout at the retirement based on, mm-hmm. and I can show you what the formula is. This is the, uh, share price right here this shows you this basically like there's no way to kind of like mess around here Mm. because this tells you what you will be guaranteed upon retirement so you can't mess around you know these prices in the regular stock market can get out of whack well if this gets out of whack and you can take it both ways there's going to be a natural market movement to go the other way that does that make sense yeah so here you're saying for every 10 yards you get a penny added to their overall value turnovers you take money away 40 plus yard plays you get a little bit what what if somebody changes position you do have people maybe who have different positions yeah yeah so these these are these are pretty neutral because it's yards touchdowns Uh um got it this is not this is not position based they're not going to become a defensive player overnight and if they yeah if they do then yeah they're not going to here accumulate any more value it's almost like they retired if they just you know all of a sudden changed to a defensive player and didn't and didn't have any more um it's interesting. So in, you studied all value. the players and figured out, hey, what would the payout look like for this player in this position over time? And you have the yeah, average player, the an, average lifespan. And this is an your version exercise. of handicapping. Your handicappers it, are making this. Where'd you get the handicappers from? Where'd you get those people from the quants? Yeah. So we we have this whole big team, you know, you raise the capital. The first thing we had to do not only was create, you know, hire these amazing engineers and product folks, but we had to hire a bunch of quantitative people hmm. who know sports. So we've got an army of people that are way smarter than I am doing the math on, you know, setting the initial prices and then moving them, you know, again, in the early days here to try to reflect where you'll have basically a balanced book. Like we don't want to take the risk, you know, where we're long or short something. We're just trying to get to a place where there's equal buyers and sellers on both sides. Love it. And, you know, our guys got to do that. Right? Where, do, where are, did you recruit those, those folks from? Those oh, we got our head working? of trading from Goldman Sachs is from the, where the head of trading is and Got all these f- fancy, uh, fancy institutions. Um, Any of again, them come from sports books or did you just go? I don't think from we Wall have Street. a person yeah. from a book. I don't think, you yeah. know, we might have a couple of folks, but most of them are coming from the finance yeah. world. Interesting. You know, wow. the, yeah, the banks, the hedge funds and, and the traders. We've got traders here too. So it's a, again, a fancy group of people over here that uh, are smarter than me. How do the app stores look at wagering apps today? I know that originally places like Apple and Google were like, no way. And then obviously, 
fantasy sports. They started letting folks in. The leagues are getting into this. The NBA is talking about this during yeah. the game. Yep. So my lord, the regulatory space, which is quite ironic. I mean, not bring up your brother for the last time. But yeah. Preet had to sh Preet shut down uh, illegal poker, whatever, 10 years ago. Now yeah. here we are 10 years later, this stuff's all legal and it's on TV. They're incorporating yeah. the league. They're gonna put yeah. a gay, they're gonna put an NBA team in Vegas. Yeah. Something that like the original commissioner was like, no way ever. Yeah. So well, I think yeah. uh, you know, to your point, and even to Preet, you know, that yeah. whole thing, hit, this is making sure like you gotta go through the hoops and you gotta get the license and you gotta be compliant with the rules. Right. And so now the rules are in place. If we go to the app store or anyone else, we have to show them. You know, yeah. that we're compliant, we have the license, and that gives them the confidence that the customer's protected. And I think that's the thing, even with Pre, like he was shutting down offshore illegal enterprises that didn't have any protections for the customer, or at least clear ones for the customer. So I think that's the advancement. Well, and it wound up made. being prescient. I mean, you had all these scandals in poker. Yeah. Where, you know, Full Tilt was merging like the player holding accounts and the uh operation accounts allegedly and then ultimate bet somebody had god mode and then there were people who were on various vpns ips who were sharing cards in tournaments so you get two people at a table and they start sharing two cards man that's that could be like all the edge you need to win yeah. a tournament or to just be massively ev positive so you really do need to have regulations in here thank god this country has started to look at this and say hey regulate instead of banning the stuff because when you ban it all you do is create corruption exactly and suffering and consumer harm whereas yeah, when there's you all this underground yeah exactly exactly consumers get that's some a, that's, protection that's right that's right and so i think that's kind of how we uh, approach it with any it. anything you know, whether it's the app store or, or anybody this is, you know this is where you look at what uh, robin who gets a little criticism we were early angel invested in and i still uh, early angel investors in and i still own my shares i still believe in the company we are like oh my god young people betting young people doing stocks young people doing crypto stocks you know what, I feel like this next generation, you know, we were Gen Xers, mm -hmm. the idea of us trading stocks, it was like, well, it's gonna cost you $30, you got to call a broker on the phone every time you want to transact, right. and you're transacting $50 in shares. So you just lost 60% of your position, you know, just for making the trade. And, you know, what these new services have done is made this next generation millennials and Gen Z's are so sophisticated when it comes to thinking yeah. about money and understanding bets. And life is a series of bets, your career, what school you go to, start a it company, is. go work for the man, whatever it is, life's a series of bets. Let's educate young people. I, if I had my druthers, every high school kid, day one of high school would have $1,000 put in a stock market account, a betting account, and let them gamble away two grand. And let's see what right. they come up with at the end of their uh, four years. So you give They'll them, learn more you, from that than they will from school. Yeah, you'd give them the 2000. Whatever you give them a little <laughs> bit of money. It, listen, right. if we're, let's say education costs 16, yeah. the public education costs 16,000 a year, I think on average in the United States. So yeah. times that by four, you know, whatever 65 grand, take the 65 grand, we'll give them 10% to put into an account. Yeah. And at the start of each year, they get 100 they get $50 the first year, $100 the second year, $200 the second year, and the other 300 the last year. Right. So they get more sophisticated every year. At the beginning of the year, they have to make five bets or whatever it is. They make some yeah. number of bets, they hold it for a year. At the end of the next year, they have to make five more bets. Literally let them gamble and let them keep the amount of money after four years. Now they've got a financial education and all of that goes towards their college education. That's what oh, I would wow. do. I would so teach kids how to gamble. You running for president? No, governor? is your brother going to run? He's going to run for uh, governor, isn't he? I shouldn't have brought this up. I shouldn't. What have do you get to? I, I told you last time for pre. You know, I'm I'm a pre stand. <laughs> your brother would be incredible, incredible he governor of New York.
He would be. Hey, when he runs, I'm telling him. you right now, we will ask him. I'm telling you right now. When he are runs, you gonna get him on this? Are you going to get him on the pod? I would love to have him on the pod. Yeah, I'll definitely have him on. Here's what I'll do. Yeah. When you, I'm guaranteeing you right now, I will raise a quarter million dollars for your brother. I I will come to New York. I will bring wow. my Silicon Valley. You're from here, right? You're from yeah, here. From you could do it. I will yeah. come in. You can kill the product demo, by the way. We'll do full screen here. So I get your big, beautiful face there. Um, That's Garrett Wilson. I wanted you guys to see that. There it is. Uh, I will raise a quarter milli for your brother. I will do a Peking duck dinner in New York. And I will tell oh, wow. internet people to come $2,500 a seat. Boom. You get a thousand. No, have a hundred of them to come. Boom. We'll raise a quarter million for your brother to run for governor. My That's lord, it, just would 250, just a quarter million. That's all you can pull off. I could probably pull off two point five. I, I don't do know. I don't know that. how far. I thought you had a limit of twenty five hundred a person, uh, right? But you, but you know, so many people. I could probably get a thousand. Truth be told, I yeah, could get a thousand. Yeah. I don't know what I'm allowed to do as a super fundraiser, but <laughs> if I said, "Yeah, I'm going to do a thing for Preet," I could get a thousand people to show up twenty five hundred wow. for sure. I think gonna, so. As soon as this pod's over, I'm going to call him and, and and tell him about this. I'll be listen. Uh, your brother is hardworking, honorable. He's got very sane positions and he explains yep. himself, you he know, does. and he's got like a he high does. moral ethical bar. Like yeah. he really thinks about these things. And, and you know, here we are. This you became, and I compulsive became gamblers. an advertisement for pre <laughs> instead of mojo. Look at Basically. this. Pre, pre well, got you more airtime than Mojo. It's for okay, the, I'll take it's for it. both brothers. Mojo, I'll take Your it. parents must be very proud of both of you. Awesome. All right, listen. Vinit, yes. aka Vinny. I don't know which you, you prefer. Uh, you you call me right. J Cal. Which do you prefer? What are your friends? I prefer calling? Vinny. I like Vinny. I like yeah. Vinny. Yeah, because you know, people Jersey good. They, yeah, I'm from Jersey. I like Vinny. What was it like growing it, up? Yeah. Were people a little racist in the '80s towards you guys? Sometimes. In sometimes Jersey, we yeah. went to a small school, but yeah, we got we got some private little, Catholic. Would you go to some? No, it was a private school. Not Catholic. It was really okay. small. It was forty kids in the class. I was just yeah. telling my daughter had to ask me questions. She's a seventeen, and she had to ask me uh, questions about nine eleven. Oh yeah! Uh, yesterday, and and she was asking me this, and she told me to me take me through, you know, that day and the next few months. And I told her that was the one time someone called me Osama bin Laden. That was the only time I yeah back yeah, then crazy. after because you know oh, man. Color where were you? Were you in Jersey or you in Manhattan? No, New York. I was in Manhattan. You, I was in Manhattan too, man. People oh, tell what? me about that day. How was the scariest day? In where my were life. you? I was on Twenty Six on the West Side Highway. Wow. I'm listening to Howard Stern getting ready for work. I'm about to go yeah. to the garment district, and Howard says, "Oh, look, some dip." just flew his, uh, you know, wow. little Cessna into the World Trade Center. I live 26 in the West Side Highway. I look out my window downtown. I, I see the smoke. I yeah. put on CNN. Boom. Second plane hits. Yeah. My brother's yeah. a firefighter in Williamsburg. Oh. Wow. He's on the job for less than six months. He had, he oh had been a God. cop. Then he went to be a firefighter. I try to find my brother. Can't find my brother. No. He's at work. No. I'm like, oh, my God. So I just immediately go into a pale sweat, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I mean, I just, I'm going to lose my brother. I come running downstairs. I come down, the elevator operator in my building uh, is outside. There's people in shock on the streets, guys in suits with machine guns. I'm like, what are guys in suits and machine guns? Oh my God. It turns out my building on 26 on the West Side Highway had a, a CIA, uh, FBI depot in it for all the... Um, equipment uh all the trucks and stuff like that anyway the guy grabs me by the palace he goes jake how we're under attack america is under attack they just got the pentagon man oh, i mean man. it was like a movie scene and so finally i find out two hours later you know i'm talking to my mom all the phones went down people don't remember yeah, this either. I, I, I was telling my daughter that 
phones go down. I, I finally get word. My brother, his shift was ending at eight. So the first plane hit 740 something and the second mm -hmm. one hit eight something. So he had asked a half hour early because my sister-in-law, Carrie, her car broke down on the Bell Parkway. She got a flat. My brother, mm -hmm. who's a probie, he's on probation, he's just starting, asked his boss, may I go? My wife's on the side of the road. He says, of course, go. You can leave work early. He leaves work 15 minutes before. No. He's on the belt going to see his wife. He sees in the rearview mirror the plane. Amazing. Uh, and, the, and the World Trade Center on fire. He starts to turn around to go back. Wow. He has to walk through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel to get back there. He spent 30 days on the pile. Every other day, smoked wow. the whole thing. And he's got lung issues now, you know, but he's okay. Oh, no. It, wow, look at that, man. That's an amazing yeah, crazy story. story. What about you? What's your story then? What'd you tell your donor? You know, the funny thing, that story, so I'm down on Bleecker Street. That's where I lived. We, we, were, we had just sold this company, The Pit. Yeah, we had just sold The Pit three weeks earlier, the, company, the sports card stock market. Yep. I'm supposed to meet Mark and my other childhood friend, the other founder, Lax, at Tops because we had sold this company and we're supposed Where's to you know, do some meetings with them. Tops is right there, a few blocks what? away from, yeah, a few blocks away. And so what happens is uh, that, like you said, it was a beautiful morning that day. I'm getting ready the for The crispest work. September the day crispest. ever. Not a cloud in the sky, beautiful air, perfect. Amazing, amazing day. I turn on the TV like you, like so many others. Before I leave to head down to Tops, I see the, the, the one hole in the one building. And so I'm watching television. It turns out Mark, Lori, my co-founder, was already down there because he was coming in from Westchester. And so for him, he's down there when the second when the second um, building fell. You know, obviously the plume of smoke is all surrounding down there. Yeah. He leaves. He runs across the Brooklyn Bridge with his shirt off to cover the smoke from 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 his eyes. Yeah, That's the, the story. Remember, crazy. Mark. Yeah, I couldn't get hold of him. I wind up, funny enough, going back to Preet. He lives on Twenty Second Street. I live on Bleecker. I walk up fifth avenue a lot of people mm. did i remember once it was that, once like that an exodus first, exactly and i stayed with thousands him. of people yeah so i stayed with preet for the next few days and of course uh -huh. the next like couple days you just didn't know whether we were going to get another attack it we was scary after the empire state building yeah it was scary and, was, and they the people also don't realize they shut down manhattan nobody in nobody out that's right for a week or two and then they cordoned us off in sections so you couldn't yeah i wanted yeah. to meet my friends at pastis in the meatpacking yeah, like, district, I was on 26. I walked down to 14th Street. Yeah. There's a cop there. I said, listen, yeah. I'm going to pass. He said, you're not allowed in there. I was like, listen, my brother's on the job. Da, da, da. Here's my card. He's like, all right, yeah. just go there. Whatever. Uh, so, you know, it, but it was, Manhattan was weird. It, it was, was crazy. Like, like, there was no cars. And then, yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but I remember walking by St. Vincent's uh, yeah. Hospital. There were ambulances everywhere. Along yeah. the West Side Highway, ambulances from around the country were there. Amazing. Everybody from around the country came to Manhattan. They drove yeah. for two or three days to get there to help. There was no survivors. Yeah. Uh, so everybody came to help, no survivors. Uh, yeah. It was it was really tragic and, and insane, was, but we got through it. I was, I, I was turning 30, and we're going uh, way off topic. I was turning 30 that 11. Friday, September 14th. And so my whole, uh, you know, 30th thing got canceled and all. So I remember spending it with some friends. You were probably, sounds yeah. like you're the same age as me. So you probably yeah, also trained. I was, uh, I had just turned 30 because I was born 1970, okay. November 28th. So I was going to okay. be 31. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it really is interesting having to explain this to our kids. And yeah, you're, for them, it's like this abstraction. Yeah. And now it's really disturbing to me. Like people are making memes about it or on TikTok. Yeah. I'll run into a meme about it. I'm like, really, this is.
Yeah. I mean, it's too soon, folks. Like, you can't make jokes or yeah. memes about 9-11. No, That'd no, be like no. making Holocaust yeah. jokes or World War II jokes. Just don't. Vietnam no. jokes. Like, it's not cool, people. Like, no. have some respect, you know, you know for what she, for what what she asked me about. It was she asked me was like, you know, how New York centric was it? And I said, I just remember that at that time, right? Really, Giuliani was the mayor, the whole thing. We all came together in a yeah. way that was unbelievable. There was none of this right left. It was super, super everybody was getting along for a, for a, for a short stretch. Yeah, she a has, years, you know, she's yeah. like shocked about that. I'm like, look, I don't, can't tell you how the world loved New York everywhere. It was like incredible. You could go everywhere. Remember that? Like, that was the thing. Unbelievable. Right? I that remember, we, like, in New York, people honk at each other. And mm -hmm. I remember, like, the week after, two weeks after, shortly after, and I'm walking through an intersection. And somebody honked at somebody. This is when cars were blurred back in. The guy stopped. Everybody stopped and looked at the guy who honked. The guy got out of his car, went to the car in front of me, like, oh my God. He said, I'm sorry. Amazing. I shouldn't have honked. The guy got out, gave him a hug. <laughs> it was like the greatest New York moment ever. Yeah. The, the idea of a, a New Yorker honking at another New Yorker or in any way displaying anything yeah. other than love and a hug because yeah. everybody knew somebody who died. Everybody yeah. was mourning collectively. The, the idea yeah. that we would be anything other than super compassionate for people it's a defining moment of gen yeah. xers life if you're a new yorker sure. or anywhere in that area and then for other people it's not like people who are in california yeah. tell me like they felt terrible they were whatever but yeah. it doesn't define their life i think for folks like us right. it's yeah. the defining moment of our lives in many yeah, ways i agree like our kids graduating college all of that is like amazing mm -hmm. but if you just think about an emotional resonance like i think about the yeah. world before 9 11 and after 9 11 yeah. it's like two different things for me i agree all right listen this has been a great okay. discussion awesome Thanks, I can't guys. wait to hang uh, yes. with you and uh, I'll see when you when I'm in New York. Over. Maybe we'll get, catch a game. Great. No, not an Absolutely. Eagles game. Absolutely not. Uh, we could do both games. We can catch a Eagles Knicks game or Maybe when they're playing the Giants themselves. You know what? Yeah, talk to my dad. All right. Listen, great right. job on the company. I wish you great success. We'll see you next Thanks time. So bye bye.